Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition. Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller. Action. Are we, what episode number is this, 146? Yeah, I think so. Or, yeah, 146. <clears throat> there it is. Hello and welcome to episode 146 of the Weekly Warrior Podcast. And on today's episode, I'm joined here with my very wonderful friend, Bones. And my name is Corey Mueller. If this is your first time listening to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, we appreciate you being here. And why don't you go ahead and whatever you're listening to the podcast on, drop us a review and a rating. One sentence review. Take it from this episode. Something that intrigued you, made your mind wander. Something that really excited you. Bones, how you doing, buddy? Good. Thanks for having me on. I, I'm really excited to get started here. I, I've been really good. Today's Wednesday. Uh, we wear pink on Wednesdays. You got an Apsy Farm shirt on. Apsy Farms should make a pink shirt. Uh, Kyle, if you're listening, yeah, that'd be Kyle, cool. Kyle, if you're listening. <laughs> We could wear it on Wednesdays. It'd be like a cool thing, man. Uh, um, <laughs> and then uh, got some cool shows that are out now, you know, like uh, Rings of Power, which has mm. been cool. Um, yep. House of Dragon. I don't give a shit about that. That can go die. Honestly, and, though, hold up, hold up. Before you continue, okay. I'm just going to say I've, I am, I've been watching House of the Dragon and I entered into it with extremely low expectations because we all know how Game of Thrones season eight ended and it kind of like tarnished what was pretty excellent entertainment. And I will say that the House of the Dragon feels like the better thrones and has some pretty awesome, some pretty awesome moments. There's some kind of lame stuff too, but I know that your Game of Thrones experience was tarnished like everyone else's, but I would, I would give it a try. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I definitely don't live on my own planet about that. I think everybody was kind of hurt. I will say that I don't give a shit because I know what happens. Oh, I know what happens. Well, like I'm a genius. Brand becomes king. Nothing yeah, matters. Yeah, I know, but that. Yeah, I. I but it I doesn't matter. Disconnected that I like. I know that. it's gonna be. <laughs> it, it's gonna be a good story. I know. Yeah. I know. It's going to be good writing. It's going to be a fun ride on top of a dragon. But yeah. just know that Jon Snow goes north of the wall again. Everybody dies and Bran becomes king. So Damn. Man, that sort fun. of ruins it a little bit for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, have fun. I know. You think I like that? You think I like that about myself? Oh, I don't man. like that. I want to enjoy and be entertained. Let's talk about Rings of Power for a second because we're both pretty big Lord of the Rings fans and Rings of Power has caused quite a stir. Two episodes in, I am um, like pretty lukewarm on it. It's like a six out of ten. It feels really cool to be back in Middle Earth. Like anytime that we get to be in Middle Earth, it feels even the Hobbit, which like at its best was okay. Uh, it was still cool to like be there and be in Middle Earth. And uh, yeah. the Rings of Power brings us to some cool new locations, and I'm intrigued to see where some of it goes. Some of it was kind of lame, but I mean. It's a you got to think like they're basing the show off of thousands of years of lore that Tolkien wrote. 
And like everyone's like, well, the first two episodes were really slow. And it's like, yeah, well, we got five seasons to explore this. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I can tell that they're definitely trying to do like a Game of Thrones thing with it with like all mm. like just the way it transitions from city to city. Yeah. Uh, or like, I don't even know if that's what you would call them. Yeah. Uh, but it is very cool to explore different places that I haven't seen, but it's still Middle Earth. I had no idea that it was about Galadriel, uh, the the crazy white yeah, elf Galadriel. Um, yeah. from the original Lord of the Rings. Galadriel. Yep. Okay. And um, Elrond. Yeah. Elrond. Yep. Right. Oh, yeah, right, I didn't yeah. know that he was in it. Uh, so that's cool. I'm trying to make some connections, um, but I know it's thousands of years earlier before yeah. Mr. Frodo Baggins takes the ring on his walk. So it's uh, it's been cool, the first two episodes, actually. Yeah. Okay, so how far in the future is it? You know more than me. How far in the future, or how far in the past is what we're seeing right now? Y- y- yeah, how, it's just, yep. I don't know, a couple thousand years, thousand years. Um, Galadriel in the, in the, Lord of the Rings was like 4,000 years old. She was one of the OG elves, like from before, like when they lived in Valinor and that she saw the light of the two trees and very few elves in Middle Earth had even seen that. Even Elrond, Elrond didn't see the light of the two trees. And um, so like people complain a lot about Galadriel being like a Rey Skywalker type thing. Like she's just a Mary Sue with no... How is she so powerful? How does she know it all? Like in in the lore, like Galadriel is incredibly powerful. This is just like a different depiction of her. Like in in Lord of the Rings, we saw. I mean, she she was a string puller. You know what I mean? Like at that point, she wasn't fighting, but she was very very powerful. And this is just a different, more youthful sort of example of Galadriel. Yeah, she's more boots on the ground in this yeah. depiction. I uh, I read that. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, thanks. I read that she, there's like a lot of confusion about how old she actually is. Someone is going to need to establish it, but Tolkien has gone back and forth about like how, went back and forth about how long, like, uh, I'm going to, who gives a shit? She's like (laughs) super fucking old. I read that she's anywhere from like 8,000 years old up to like 25,000 years old based on yeah. what Tolkien may have written and how the yeah. years pass. But I'm like, 25,000 years old is just like, is like silly talk. That's I not, like the fact that maybe she's like a, th- a thousand years old. She's an elf. So she's, she's old. She's definitely she's like, I think she's like, she's like four to 5,000 years old. That's in, okay. I mean, Elrond was thousands of years old. And, um, but either way, I think like, like you said, making the connection, the different connections to Lord of the Rings is cool because that's the that's the story that most of us have grown up with and have fallen in love with but it's just different like you're getting to see all these like Celebrimbor who's the greatest of the elven Julia Smiths and he creates the rings of power like he's oh is that what the show is about yeah making of the rings yeah like (laughs) the exact yeah that's the big connection so like there's it's I think it's gonna be it just needs some time to sort of build and I as long as people give it patience and really like you look at Peter Jackson's adaptations of Lord of the Rings. He he did plenty of things that were not in the books and changed some pretty significant pieces of lore, but like we all kind of accepted that because some of us didn't know any better. Like I didn't until I've been reading the books now. I'm like, "Oh, there's a pretty big difference right there." But like 
we accepted that and most people loved those adaptations and I think that so far from what I'm seeing it's worth continuing to to come back to see where it goes um and some people I mean people just need to pull the corn cob out of their poop shoot like just enjoy it <laughs> pretty country strong advice yeah all right well that's cool i'm let's see where it goes uh how are you you doing good yeah man uh i had my first meeting with my wild health coach today you and connor talked about wild health on the aura ring episode and it got me inspired so i talked to connor about wild health and like i've never done anything like this before and we had some pretty sick deals. Jess gave us a 25% off code. And then they had a deal already. Like it was $200 off how much it normally is. So went ahead and did it and got my DNA testing done. Got the blood work done. Met with my coach today. Uh, the DNA test is going to take about four weeks. And then I'll meet with a physician and my like health coach or whatever at the same time. And we'll go over the 50 page report. Um, and so I'm intrigued. I'm, uh, not sure what to expect, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's very cool. And I guess there is some different ways you can go about wild health. Cause Jess did, Jess has picked one that was like more expensive than what you picked. And I think she picked the ongoing, like you get yeah. a health coach visit like every quarter or as un- I think she has unlimited visits yeah with hers what they're trying to do right now so mine was like the yeah it was the premium like premium medical assessment or something like that so you get a couple you get like three meetings with your coach um a meeting with a physician the 50 page health report uh comprehensive report and then what they're going to try to do they don't have it worked out yet but at the end of that process they're going to hope to have like a discounted coaching like stream so then you keep working with your coach for the the next like year um so we'll see i don't know i mean that's we're still like a month out from that but um i'm i'm intrigued it's still it's still gonna be a really good process i think and if you guys haven't listened to that episode that was episode 143 about the aura ring and they talk about bones and connor talk about uh wild health and uh, Bones's woman Jess did the all the stuff, and I don't know. We, I mean, I jumped pretty heavily, like immediately when I heard about it. I was like, "Man, that's like next level healthcare." Um, and yeah, that that I mean, it was a little bit expensive, and your insurance doesn't cover it. But I think that if you have the ability, it's definitely um, it's definitely worth looking into. I mean, we're not affiliated with. We're not. I'm not trying to sell it, but it is pretty amazing. I mean, there is no but. You you can't go to your doctor and get genomics to dictate what food is going to be best for your body or what type of training is going to be best for your body. And that's what Wild Health right. is: is they take your saliva sample, make, yep. uh, and they, they pull apart your DNA basically and tell you yeah. everything about you and what's good for you and what's going to be bad. And uh, that's pretty amazing. And expensive is what do you value? Is a better question. Because uh, it was like, what was it with your twenty five percent code? They had the deal, and then we had the twenty five percent code, and so I ended up paying yeah. five hundred and twenty one dollars, like five hundred something. Yeah, yeah, which is nothing. That's nothing when if it's gonna if you're gonna use the info, that's still that's cheap as hell when you talk mm. about how much people pay for just regular health insurance. So investing into your health, and like when we talk about like Apsy Farms is a good example. When you look at it on the surface. 
it is a, a little bit more expensive to purchase meat from that type of source or like getting your vegetables from um, an organic, like a fair trade. I mean, whatever that on the surface, it is a little bit more expensive. But in the long run, when you look at the health impacts and what you're actually investing into, it just goes along with the idea that we're trying to gain longevity. We're trying to be as like high performing as we can be for as long as we can be and have a good life and have a happy life. And um, I think our healthcare system is inherently pretty broken. Um, and this is a different look at what healthcare is. So I'm like, I'm a little nervous about it because um, it's it's impartial data that's objective and it doesn't lie to you and doesn't make you try to feel good. Um, so I'm a little nervous about what it's going to tell me, but I, uh, I think it'll be really helpful for like the next step of my personal health journey. Well, a good thing about wild health is that it is a, is a company that is based in the United States and they take care of United States citizens. That's right. Which is nice. And this is my segue into today's topic, which is about manufacturing in the USA. Yeah. You you recently kind of gotten big on this because of a certain company. And before we get into that company, we'll talk about things that are made in the USA. Where why we you always look at products as like made in China. Everything's made in China. We want to bring that back to the United States for a variety of reasons, but we kind of want to look at the history first yeah. of why things have been outsourced in the past century to yep. Asia and other countries. So you have you have some great info on that. Yeah, so I want to give a little context to the conversation that we're going to have about this. And it's sort of a, like when I started digging into the actual information that exists, it's very vague and yet very specific at the same time. So I wanted to get a, a concise sort of baseline that we can work off of for this conversation. So, um, yeah, like you were saying, in today's America, you look at pretty much anything that you buy, uh, especially like clothing or products in general that you use, and most of them are going to be made in an if in a different place. I don't want to use this time as a as a platform to demonize any specific country because it's not it's not about that. Things are made all over the world, um, and when you look at the products that you use on a daily basis. I would guess that probably 90% of those products are made in a different country. It's been something that I've been curious about over the last couple of years to try to return, like what can, like I want to buy American made products. And this started when I got into hunting a couple years ago, I wanted to buy an American made scope for my rifle. And it was actually pretty hard to find American made optics. Um, And so that, journey of like, okay, I found an American company, Leupold and Stevens based out of Oregon. They make most of their products in America, but they still make a lot overseas. Um, that start of that sort of started this exploration of American made products. And it's interesting because when you think of America, you think of America as a, as a, a place of people who make things and do things and uh, act courageously and this and that. I mean, you think about the Industrial Revolution and all of the massive undertakings that we've had in this country as far as, you know, like building the Intercontinental Railroad, building the Hoover Dam, building all of these cities and si- and skyscrapers and um, just the crazy amount of things 
that we've done. And that all sort of culminated. So I'm, again, I'm not going to get into the sort of the trenches of the beginnings of our industrial processes in America, but it all sort of culminated and uh, climaxed uh, in World War II. And we, as a country, were producing massive amounts of raw materials and tanks and planes and clothes and guns and, I mean, everything, food, you name it, we were making it because we had to. And that was a big reason why we won World War II was because we simply outproduced our opponents. For every one Tiger tank that the Germans could produce, which by and large was a vastly superior piece of machinery to the Sherman tanks in World War II, we could produce three or four Shermans. So you one to three ratio, one to four ratio, we're going to win that every time just because of sheer numbers. Um, when we can build thousands and millions of B-17 bombers that fly over Germany and bomb the shit out of them, and, it, and they just kept coming, they just kept coming. We, there was The production just didn't stop. And that started with making raw materials all the way to the fit and finish. Um, and really, after World War II, production mostly stayed in America for most things until about 1955. And um, that is kind of when we started to see uh, production start to go overseas. And it happened for a lot of reasons. And again, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of it, but it happened for a lot of reasons. Cost, ease, um, you know, you name it. It was pretty much there, but I have some interesting statistics and facts that are, again, going to help us build this basis of information. Um, So here's something that was really interesting. In 1960, an average American household spent over 10% of its income on clothing and shoes. That's equivalent to roughly $4,000 today. The average person bought fewer than 25 garments each year. And about 95% of those clothes were made in the United States. So 25 garments isn't really that many. That's like your go-to t-shirts, your go-to jeans, your go-to socks. I mean, like you had a a pretty set number of things that you would wear and continue to wear and they would last. Um, Now, here's where it's interesting. Fast forward half a century. This article is from 2013. So fast forward to then. Today, and it's still very, I would guess, very similar numbers, the average American household spends less than 3.5% of its budget on clothing and shoes. That's under about $1,800. Yet we buy more clothing than ever before. Yearly, nearly 20 billion garments a year. That's close to 70 pieces of clothing per person, or more than one clothing purchase per week. Um, which. Like, that's that's pretty wild, man. Like, I know people. That's a lot of clothes. That's a lot of clothes. But you think about it, like, take Kohl's. Kohl's is a good example, or Target. Target and Kohl's, whatever. Um, you got a Kohl's in every major city in America. In every Kohl's, there are thousands or hundreds or whatever of cheap. Clothing options, dresses, pants, socks, whatever. Um, Most of those are not made in America. They're made overseas in various places. Um, 
and people go in to have fun, they go clothes shopping. I've known people that do this. They go and buy many sets of clothes. And then they end up with a closet full of shit they never wear. <laughs> um, but not much of that is made in America. So how did we get to that point? Because that's a pretty ridiculous discrepancy from that's 1960 crazy. to now. I will say before you continue, I, my, uh, Jess is such a culprit of this. I think, God, I don't want to stereotype. I think a lot of people are like this where yeah, at absolutely. least once a year like i have to i have to and then jess agrees that we gotta like go do a clothing cleanse and we just go through and we just did it i went through mine and i got rid of like five pieces and then jess got rid of like a fuck ton too and then sold a couple and uh, she still has a bunch it's mostly like workout clothing yeah and when you said that most people these days are spending less than three and a half percent of their income yes on clothing yep i was like yeah that's right i never i never buy clothes like i barely ever buy clothes but i also don't own that many clothes so really i'm like this weird outlier that doesn't buy clothes but buys the clothes that are cheap so now i have very few clothes that are cheap as fuck yeah made in other countries but jess has like the quantity um so that that's just that's insane to me and I, I, I totally see that it's like consumerism is such a drug Exactly. Yeah. And you're right. And I think we're all guilty of that because Connor and I do the same thing. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people do that where once a year you go through your closet and you look at stuff, especially I think a lot of people have this happen when they're like getting dressed or getting ready for something. And they're like, there's that T-shirt or that thing that I've had for years. And I literally I haven't worn it in years and it just sits in the drawer and we move it and we do this and we do that. and um, you just end up with lots of things like that. And this, I'm going to get more into this in a second. So I don't want to, I don't want to go there yet, but yes, that is a problem that I think a lot of people have. It's the dopamine hit of buying the things. And especially when you're like, Oh yeah, I went to target or I went to Kohl's and I used my Kohl's cash and I got sick deals, bruh. But then like you go to your closet and you're in, Jess does this all the time too. And I'll, like, she's like, I have nothing. I don't know what to wear. I have nothing yeah, to wear. I have nothing and to wear. Like, you, there's just too, there's too much. And it's going to the grocery store where there's too many choices. Whereas Trader <laughs> Joe's thing, not defending Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's has like, you give one choice, buddy. Here's yeah. your marinara sauce. Get it or fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's, if clothes were like that, wow. What a, what a different concept. It's like, hey, there, here's your shirt and here's your pants. Fuck off. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So, sorry. Moving on from that, uh, get, how did we get to that point? So we're at this point where massive consumerism, whatever. Um, in the mid-1970s, uh, it, we saw the emergence of like large textile mills and factories in China and other developing countries in Asia and Latin America. These operations offered incredibly cheap labor and raw materials, as well as the capacity to quickly manufacture huge orders. Um, so by 1980, even though about 70% of the clothing Americans bought was still made in America, a handful of big retail chains like Gap and JCPenney um, began transitioning away from actually making their own clothes. So instead, they increasingly just designed and marketed them. Uh, it's kind of like the Apple model. Like Apple is designed in America, but made somewhere else. 
Um, so they outsourced production factories overseas where work was done at a fraction, a tiny fraction of the cost. Um, and so, meanwhile, some early adopters began to develop vast global supply chains that allowed them to divide up each step of the production processes, sending the work to whichever location offered the cheapest and most efficient services. Um, so, like a good example is. Uh, 2003. In 2003, the Gap was ordering its clothes from more than 1,200 different factories in 42 different countries. So wherever they could get it the cheapest, that's where they would get it from. Um, here's the next step in this sort of decline: uh, a successive wave of, wave of trade liberalization policies in the 1990s, including the North American Free Trade Agreement in 1994 effectively wiped out most import restrictions and duties on foreign-made clothing. So, like, when you go across, like, the Canadian border is a good example. We're from Michigan. We understand that. You go across Canada, there's duty-free shops, right? So, like, you can buy stuff without taxes, uh, like, foreign taxes on those items. So, NAFTA effectively took, foreign like, taxes away on imported items. So, we could get stuff from whatever country and not pay uh, the, the, the duty costs on it. So American retailers like The Gap increasingly look to suppliers in the global south, essentially, for all manufactured goods. Um, American textile manufacturers couldn't compete with this. So between 1990 and 2011, about 750,000 manufacturing jobs in the U.S. disappeared. And that's according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, the average U.S. garment worker among, and there's, there's about 150,000 that still remain, make about 38 times the wage of their counterpart in Bangladesh. Um, yeah, wow. So, like, you know, Bangladesh, whatever. Uh, there's a story, actually. The guy, his name's Kip Folks. He is a co-founder of Under Armour. So he was a co-founder of Under Armour, was a part of Under Armour for about 28 years. And he tells this story about when he went and visited a factory, and this was in China specifically, and they're taking him to the factory, and they, they go down, they're on a paved road, and they turn off onto a dirt road. They're going, they're going through the jungle, basically. They turn off onto another unpaved road, which is less paved and more rural and whatever. And then they turn down another road after going a few miles on the other one, which is barely a road. It's like uh, a two-track through dense jungle. And he's like, you got to be shitting me. Like, there's no way there's a factory out here. And then they come to a clearing in the middle of a jungle. And in the clearing, there's a old brick building with bars on the window. People walking out of the building with stacks of stuff. And he's like, this can't be the factory. And they go in, and it's an Under Armour factory making clothing. That's <laughs> like, I mean, wow. the the conditions that people were working in—they're making like you know fifteen cents a day or whatever, like crazy stuff like that. Um, and so I I listened, to, I heard that story a couple days ago, and just thought it would be interesting to share. And this all comes to a head in twenty twenty. What happened in 2020, Bones? Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we talk about COVID? Yeah, COVID happened, baby. COVID happened. So 
we realized that in America, and all of these supply chain issues started to happen in 2020, like you couldn't get things that we normally didn't have a problem with because there were, I don't know, they, we, couldn't, we couldn't accept goods from other countries because of the virus or this, or I don't, I don't know the specifics, so forgive me for my ignorance on it. There were like COVID protocols and stuff and people weren't working because they had to shut all these factories down. The canal got blocked by that ship at oh, one yeah, point. That's it right. was a fucking mess. Yeah. So like we weren't accepting goods into ports like in Los Angeles from overseas because of COVID protocols. They'd be anchored in the, the Bay of Los Angeles for months waiting to offload stuff. And so it, it brought about this realization of like, oh shit, like there are significant supply chain issues in America because we just stopped making stuff. Um, and that was sort of the way it sort of the way it is. And it's kind of sad, but um, it was, uh, I guess, I guess it was a good wake up call. <laughs> so COVID, you're saying COVID was a good wake up call because of all the issues we had? Yeah, for a lot of people, it was like, it was eye-opening because now we can't get some of this stuff that we normally can, or like the prices have increased to a ridiculous amount. So then you have to look at, okay, where are we getting our things? Because if we can't get the things from China, but nobody makes them in America, there's a pretty big disconnect there. Um, Because for four decades we were sending equipment and jobs and money and this and that overseas to different to all sorts of different countries because it could be made cheaper we can buy that hoodie that we want for thirty dollars we can you know whatever even like american cotton growers were sending american cotton overseas to make product and there was no like there was no manufacturing there was still some manufacturing but it was small you know small amounts of manufacturing it's like uh, i mean we're talking about in the 1950s we're backtracked just for a second when you kind of kick this off that was true i mean the end of the industry i mean probably far past the end of the industrial revolution yeah and into more of corporate america where profits became more of the goal and what do you do to get more profit, decrease the amount of that you're spending to yep. produce the product and to get it to market? And when that becomes the thing, yeah, you will do anything you have to to make the thing bigger so you get more money for the company. And I think that is the downside of capitalism is this giant oligarchy that it has monster it has become yeah. whereas and before that you know pre-corporate america i guess that's what we're calling it and what big wall street and stuff where like like i think i think i thought about this yesterday with your parents like that is really good capitalism they were able to make their own way get out of their job and go buy the motel and they were able to yeah. make their own way and like pr- make that thing fucking really awesome and then they sold it and and they've done really well and that is when it's great, when it works at a small scale, at a local scale. But when you start like outsourcing these things and you're just making, I watch Shark Tank a lot too. And like it, the amount of things that like those guys, super entertaining, but the amount of things that those guys turn away because they're like, oh, I can't find a manufacturer in China. I can't produce it. I need yep. money or, oh, you can't produce this in 
China for the right price, so I'm out. Yeah. And, uh, or proudly made in the USA. Well, if you make it over China, then I'll give you a deal because we can use profit. It's like these, they, all these companies make so many cheap items and they just bring them to scale, bring it to scale, bring it to market, sell it off. And then the buzz goes away about the product and then it dies. Um, and that's, you know, how a lot of those companies exist. And it's just crazy. The, uh, the USA made products are turned away. Yeah. Is like the, conglo- the conglomeration of a lot of big corporations buying smaller brands that may have been more like a family owned business who took oh. pride in manufacturing yeah. the, the product. Um, a bigger company, an, uh, a parent company buys that smaller company and they're like, well, how can we capitalize on the name while reducing our costs? And in a lot of ways, you know, that was closing a factory down in, uh, I don't know, whatever small town America and sending it to wherever across, you know, overseas where uh, the person's not going to make as much money. There's no labor laws. There's no union that is protecting these people. And um, and so, yeah, it's more efficient because they uh, are slave drivers, basically, with the workers and the working conditions are atrocious so that that's kind of like a a base work for for the conversation that now is that's the problem we have identified the problem so now we're going to talk about how a solution comes into play and this all sort of started a couple of years ago for me I, i was listening to the jocko podcast and he was talking about a company that he was a part of and it was called origin i didn't really know anything about it looked into it they made boots and they made like um, jujitsu geese, like the you know the 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 uniform, the uh, dress, the the kimono, yeah. <laughs> and I I mean I didn't really have any interest in it in that point. They also made his supplements, and so they made you know krill oil and uh, they call it joint warfare, just like some high quality supplement products, and um, that was kind of what they did. So I knew about origin but it was like two years ago i started looking they they started producing jeans and t-shirts and whatever and it was all american made so they call it from dirt to shirt so american grown cotton uh made in american factories um a hundred percent and they say hundred percent made in america without compromise and they go above and beyond any regulations that there are like the military for example there's an act i think it's called the benny amendment or something where a certain percentage of the product has to be made in america to be used by the u.s military and they exceed that requirement so like if it exists in america they use it so long story short i started looking into it but wasn't ready to i don't know it just seemed I don't it, it seemed expensive it didn't seem worth it this and that whatever i made a lot of excuses but well you were in a different place too you wouldn't have the income and like the steady job everything like that yeah and you probably discovered them so yeah pretty much and then a couple of months ago we did what everybody does right we started cleaning out our closet and as i'm going through my stuff i'm just thinking like man i have so much shit that a i never wear and I don't really like that much. And so Connor and I started talking more about like, let's pare down the things that we have and buy things, invest into things that we really love 
and um, want to be a part of. So like the Apsy Farms idea. So you're investing into a local business that's good for your health and good, good for uh, another member of the community. And so as we literally, I got rid of like three bags of shit out of our closet and my dresser and whatever. And um, I started looking more seriously into Origin because I found out, I don't know, they have a YouTube channel called Origin HD. And I started watching these YouTube videos. And that was when I started to actually like get invested into the process because I saw the what they have gone through to start this company. Origin started in 2011 making geese, essentially. That was all they did. And, and Pete Roberts, who's the founder, was making them out of his garage. And um, he was trying to make them with as much American-made stuff as possible, but it was challenging because the supply chain just didn't really exist, and he was a tiny company. And so he was working with a guy out of Pakistan to help him make these geese. And the guy out of Pakistan, like P. Roberts was designing the geese, and they these were like revolutionary gee designs that, because it hadn't, the design of a gee hadn't really changed in like 100 years. And they were basically just like burlap sacks that you put on your body and, you know, wrestled with essentially. And so, but these are the things that you wear in jujitsu. Yeah. Yep. Or like karate or whatever. I mean, it's the standard like martial arts uniform. Um, he found out that his business partner in Pakistan was selling his designs. And when he confronted him about it, the guy was like, sorry, bud, just business. And so he, at that point made the decision to like, no, fuck that. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, he was able to get some investors and literally cut down like two acres of trees in his backyard. And they built a log cabin factory. <laughs> like they called it the timber, the timber factory. And it was like him and five other people. And they had looms that were from the seventies, like looms that actually make the fabric. So they get the, they get the cotton and yarn and turn it into fabric with a fucking loom from the seventies because a, all the new stuff is expensive. And B, it was this idea that it's American made. Every, like, we're going to be a 100% American made company down to the machines that we use. And so they went to an old factory somewhere else in Maine and pulled out this, like, I mean, it looked like a relic from a forgotten time. And they had to pull it out with a crane and then it was, it was wild. But so they, they're actually stitching all the fabric. So, Anyway, that all being said, the YouTube channel is what really got me invested because I saw firsthand like this is legit. This is this is what's up. They're rebuilding American supply chains because they're at a point now where they're buying cotton from Texas and they're built they're making denim in Georgia. Someone they're weaving denim in Georgia and then they're making jeans in Maine. And they're making boots in Maine and they're doing this. And then, you know, so American workers, American products, American raw materials. And um, it goes into, for me, it's like we're supporting our own community. We're supporting people in our country. And then it gets even better because they decide, well, we're going to do the first American made hunt line in like. God no, I mean on this scale ever, 
And they bring people on board like Kip Folks from Under Armour. He quit Under Armour and he was a consultant with Origin. And so they bring him in. And Cam Haynes, who's like the world's best bow hunter, dropped Under Armour as his sponsor and picked up Origin. And Jocko, uh, he's, a, he's the third owner of Origin because he started investing with them in 2017. And so all these things combined, and I'm learning all about this stuff, and I'm like, holy shit, like, this is game-changing stuff. And I talked to Connor about it, and we sort of game-planned it, and I bought, the first thing, I bought a hoodie and two shirts and a jujitsu gi. And quickly, all of those things have become my fit. Like, the hoodie is amazing, and the shirts are wonderful, and they make me feel good wearing it. I feel like I'm supporting a good cause and I know that I am. Um, and so that's what, that's basically, man, I, I ramble on about origin, but that's what they do. And that's what I want to invest into moving forward because we are a country of makers and um, we are a country of people who are talented. And I think that this is an opportunity for us as consumers to invest into something that's bigger than us. And it might mean that you have less. You're not going to have as much in your closet. But again, it's like pare down. I want seven shirts that I love. I want two pairs of jeans that I love. I want, you know what I mean? Like, um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of where things sit right now. I've, I purchased, uh, quite a, I, they released their hunt line, uh, two weeks ago and I purchased four items of that. And I mean, they're making it right now. They're cutting and sewing and the fabric is being made. Um, The wool comes from sheep from Montana or something like it's I mean, it's pretty wild. And they're using machinery that like it was dying like this. This textile industry in America was damn near dead and they sort of have forced it back to life. And it's it's pretty amazing to see like like I said, these videos on YouTube with them, I mean, they're acid printing stuff and it's a Amer- I mean, just, it's just awesome to see. And it's sort of from a bygone era, but I think it's the way forward. It's the, it's the way things need to be, um, moving forward. And that's what I want to invest my money into. I think that we should, we should get them to make a weekly warrior podcast shirt. Honestly, though, I, I was thinking about that. We just did a, a run of t-shirts you know what's funny is on the t-shirt tag it says USA proud and then it says made in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, that's really cool. Cool. I thought cool. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> like Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but I'm sure absolutely most like of our clothing though is like made in Bangladesh. Yeah. Is a huge one. Yep. Or India and stuff. And yeah, so that's cool. I think Origin, that's a very cool story. Jocko is somebody, I, I, li- I really have liked following the company Origin because, yeah, I mean, the people, it's all in America and you can really appreciate it. And I really do like the idea that you will spend a bit more, but this thing's going to last a long time. And that, that is really, from what you told us, how things used to be with boots. There's this great story about boots. Well, I can't remember, I heard it from Origin, where, oh, it was like classism, where the the poor there's a poor guy and a rich guy the rich guy and back in the 1910s right a good pair of boots every man needed a good pair of boots to work yeah the poor guy makes five bucks a month rich guy a hundred bucks a month boots cost 30 bucks right really good boots will cost 30 bucks that will last you 10 years cheap boots it'll get you through six to eight months 
cost four dollars. So the the poor guy can't afford a good pair of boots. That's like four months' wage. Yeah. So he constantly has to be rebuying these cheap boots, and he goes through them. Where the rich guy can buy a good pair of boots and will last him ten years, and over time he has paid less money. So if you look at it in that context, where you're investing in it, but over time you're paying less money because this shirt's going to last you a long time. Yeah. Or these jeans are going to last you a long time. Um, rather than you buying a pair of jeans off Amazon today, and then six months you need another pair of jeans off Amazon, and then another six months you need another pair. Yeah. And that goes further than clothing. We've been focusing on clothing because that's what Origin is. And I think that's a great example. Yep. But there's so many things I've bought off Amazon, man, that like it makes me sick because I don't even have them anymore. I don't know where they are. Like, what have I bought on Amazon that I use every day? Like, I bought a a diff, uh, water vapor diffuser to like essential oils spits it out and makes the place smell nice yeah and it was like 20 bucks and i used it like twice and i was like man i really didn't actually want that i guess but i mm-hmm. bought it because it was so cheap but if it was like an american-made diffuser or something yeah uh and it was like eight not 100 bucks i would have been like yeah i don't really want it i'm not gonna buy it or yeah i really want it i'm gonna buy it and i'm gonna actually use it right uh and that's just like the crutch of Amazon, I think, too, is just like everything's right there. It's cheap. All that shit's made on made in China. And not that, I mean, the good or bad, I think you mentioned labor laws. And I think that's a big thing that kind of struck me is that, man, all those people over there are like dying and killing themselves, yeah. literally, yeah. to make these products. I mean, they have yeah. suicide nets outside of these manufacturing plants. So if you jump out the window, it catches you and they just put you right back to work. And that's fucked exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so anyway, to go back to a brighter note, uh, let's let's talk about. You want to move into like some other American products, and we'll circle back to Origin because I got a couple questions. Yeah, tell me about some American-made companies. It's a bit of a laundry list, but I just want to name wanted to name a couple that I use that I did actually some of them I didn't realize were American-made, and then some that uh, I think is kind of cool that everybody might use or look into. So there's this. Uh, self-care line called Native. Have you ever heard of them? I have. So they do uh, deodorants, like uh, body wash, uh, a couple other things maybe, but they're made in America. I've been using them for like probably over a year now. And the good thing about Native is they're like minimal, extra garbage, toxic things in, in their product compared to Old Spice and things like that. It's uh, much better. It's really good. So Native um, here's an interesting one. Apple MacBooks, those are made in Texas. No way. Yeah. Apple MacBooks made in Texas, which I was like so surprised. I mean, mine is pretty old, but I'm going to look at it. It's assembled in China. Yeah. Okay. So yours must have been pre 13. Yeah. Um, since 2013, I guess they've been making them in Texas. Uh, hmm. so that's was, I was surprised. I didn't know why or. Um, they still make all their iPhones in Asia, but you know, the MacBook kind of cool. Good for Apple. Um, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Pendleton apparel and blankets. Have you heard of them? I have. Yep. They like, like make, they're another clothing company. They make like the best blankets in the world. Yeah. Uh, We have one of their blankets. Yeah. Nice wool. So warm. It's like a Yosemite, uh, themed blanket. Nice. And they make, we went to a, a Pendleton store just this past weekend in Monterey. It's expensive. I didn't buy anything, uh, but I didn't want anything. That's how you know. Well, I guess I don't want it. 
but like the quality of it is just amazing. And I bet it's that the warmest that and the most comfortable thing. Last, it'll probably last for decades. Totally. I'm going to give it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it down to yeah. my, the next generation if I have a generation after me. <laughs> um, kind of a silly one. Pyrex uh, food storage, little, little containers. Those have been made in the USA since 1915. Nice. Um, Ford F-150s and Ford Rangers are made in Dearborn, Michigan and so in Missouri. Broncos, yeah. um, and the Ford Broncos, yeah. Uh, most of their parts are made overseas, but you know, they're Super assembled Duties here, are so assembled cool. in Lexington, Kentucky. Are they really? Yeah. That's where the Super Duty plant cool. is. Nice. Super Duty plant. Yeah. I didn't know they had a separate one for that. Um, so uh, Teslas are also, I mean, they have manufacturing plants all over the world, but Tesla's made, they're making those in Texas um, and California, maybe still. Last company is Allegiance Fat Flag Supply Company. So they make american flags made in the usa which man don't buy an american flag from china it's weird man don't be weird honestly though yeah <laughs> i got a state of michigan flag from allegiance flag company that's we have that outside our house that's cool how is it i don't have one yet yeah it's great i was i opened it up and i actually i ordered it off of amazon like they had it on amazon but I opened it up and I was really impressed and happy with the quality of it. Like just, it's a nice flag. I've had, I've had some other flags too. Obviously I've owned a few flags and I don't think I've had one made in America, but you can definitely tell yeah. the difference. Cool. I mean, from what they advertise, their Instagram is cool. That's part of it. And, uh, I think the last one that I put on here is, is, uh, it's kind of nice cause it's not actually a product, but it's any person that is is giving their services uh via their education that they got in america or their experience that they have in america so like uh directly towards us are coaches health coaches bakers mm, we have this yeah. great uh a friend out here that that sells like awesome sourdough she calls herself the bread buzz um her name's cassie and she like ha- her whole house is being like outfitted to like bake oh, bake nice. bread and it's amazing and I'm sure you guys... I've seen the bread before. Yeah, it's really good. Um, it's like stuff like that, like small business owners, trade jobs, plumbers, electricians, stuff that is like small in your community, I think that is a bit outside of what we're talking about, but still is good to invest because the root is, you know, invest in yes. our country and our community. And I think those obviously are obvious choices to to give back and keep it keep it close. And and the last one is Origin. And, and you dove fucking deep down into Origin a few minutes ago and i i mean i've went down the rabbit yeah hole. i don't even know where we go from there but yeah i don't know i just i feel this like big compulsion to support american people and american things and we've talked a lot on the podcast about we're in a we're in a point in history where we have some really div- divisive political issues and people on both sides of the spectrum that argue back and forth. But I think that looking at like what you can actually do to improve the lives of your fellow Americans and like bridge some gaps and whatever is support American companies who invest into their people and treat their people right. And I mean, those people that live next door, that's your, you know, that's your sister, that's your mom, that's your whatever. They're, you know, sewing jeans. They're in a, they're literally in an American factory sewing jeans that you get to wear or like 
the hunt clothes, the hunt line that they just released. Like people in North Carolina right now, well, maybe not right now because it's 7.03 and I'm sure they work nine to five, are making clothing, like making American branded hunting clothes, which hasn't been done in decades and definitely not on this scale with this level of quality and materials. And that's where it's like, like you said, invest into local things where it's made locally and, and it takes a little bit of digging. And I think that's my next point with this whole thing. Like whether you go with origin, there's other companies that make stuff in America and they're, you know, I, I'm not as familiar with a lot of them, but they're there. Take some time and do a little bit of research and understand that like, this is the same thing as your health. You're investing into something. You get to choose where you put your money. Do you put your money into a giant corporation that doesn't give a shit about you? Or are you going to choose to put your money into something that's going to be around for a generation and is actually benefiting your com- like a local community? And I mean, I read an article about Origin from like 2015. And at that point, they had 30 employees and they were like the biggest employer in the town in Maine that they are in, Farmington, Maine. They were the largest employer mm-hmm. <laughs> in Maine or like in Farmington, in the town of Farmington. And since then, they've built, they have multiple factories. They've purchased multiple factories. They have a pretty extensive product line. They just bought another factory in North Carolina that was like, at one point, this town in North Carolina was the gene manufacturing capital of the world. Like they were making jeans for massive companies like Levi's and designer companies like Calvin Klein and whatever. And since then, most of those factories have closed and the the manufacturing jobs have gone overseas. But this one plant, the White Orchard Denim plant, has stuck it out. And Origin managed to buy the factory and merge the culture with theirs and they're and the and the factory's making jeans and they're making the hunt clothes and Origins making camouflage for the US military. It's made in America and it's made by American people. And I think that regardless of what company you choose to support, understand that your money goes somewhere. And do you want to choose to invest into ethical treatment of people? Or do you want to just get the next cheapest thing that's available? It's and that's that's the way I look at it now. Like I still have plenty of clothes and shirts that I'm going to get rid of as I acquire origin stuff or whatever. I'm getting rid of other stuff that I no longer have the desire to represent. And origin is a brand too. It's more geared to men right now. I'll like be 100% transparent, but they're working on a women's line. And a lot of their clothes are unisex, but like it is more of a, a, a male oriented brand. But they also represent like fit, like guys who want to stay fit, guys who want to do martial arts, guys who want to go out and hunt, guys who work hard. And when I wear origin clothes, that makes me sort of like identify with that. And that's that's how I want to identify as a as a person. I want to be strong and patriotic and passionate and hardworking. And I feel like when I put that stuff on, it's like wearing like a uniform in a way. Like you want to be what you say you are, not just talk about it. You really? So you like origin? Yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah. American made shit. Yeah, man. I, uh, I'll tell you what, you want to know what was really frustrating. I was looking for binoculars and there's like very few American binocular brands that actually make, uh, there's components. There's no binoculars that are a hundred percent made in America. 
There's no rangefinders that are 100% made in America. And that was really frustrating because I felt like I'm compromising, but there's no yeah. options. There, there's like no options for yeah, that. I mean, it just comes down to co- co- cost of good. Like, what would the cost be of those black? Or would anybody even buy them when you have such a cheaper pair? Like, this, the these companies that buy sell them yeah. cheaper. This is like a monster that is not going to go away because they'll always be able to sell. I'm the cheaper thing, and people live in the moment when it comes to yeah. purchases. They know like the easier it is to make that purchase, the more someone's going to do it. People, if you had to pay cash for everything. People would buy less things. Now you can just swipe, scan, uh, tap, right? You can just press a button to pay for things. And uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but um, I think the story it's, of it's origin... It's easy to be a consumer. Yeah, yeah. And it feels good. I mean, shit. It's fucking sometimes like going to Disneyland, man. It's like just a fun thing to do is go shopping. Yeah. Um, and it feels good to yeah, buy stuff. Yeah, you just but get garbage. You feel that same <laughs> way. Yeah, yeah. You feel that same way about buying garbage as you do about buying good stuff. It's the same thing. Brain don't know the difference. Brain dumb. You might as well buy the good thing if you can, if you can swing it. And I think what you're talking about with Origin, Origin is selling a story on top of more so than really being made in America. They're, oh, they're yeah. selling that story, and it's a truthful story, I think, that um, you're doing good, and you should feel good when you wear this stuff. And, and, and people will attach to that in different ways, whether you're a hunter or just somebody who wants to... Mm-hmm you know, buy American made goods and, and fly a flag out and, you know, do whatever. Uh, you're selling that story and that's yeah. a huge yep. branding thing. And I think they're doing a great job. And if you guys go follow origin on yeah. Instagram, super entertaining. Uh, Jocko is somebody that I, I personally don't, uh, I think he, I think he's cool. I know who he is. Great guy. If you want some motivation, you really like him. I think he, he has a lot of good uh, podcasts. I don't personally listen to him. But the stuff that he has on for Origin is fucking awesome, and it's hilarious, and it just is like one of those things. It's that, like a different side of him. Yeah, I I think my thing with Jocko is I don't I can't I just can't take things that seriously in a way maybe. And he's a very I mean, he's a military dude. I get it. He he tells some stories on the Origin, uh, like we talked about two weeks ago, and to me they're just fucking awesome and funny because he's retelling them to like this group of sewers and pants makers and it's about this war story and he's like this B-52 yeah. Mustang American, American made, made B-51 Mustang and he's getting trailed <laughs> by the German I don't know what they called it the German Mr. Schmidt Mr. Schmidt and this, they're they're pulling up he's got to evade him they're pulling up he's climbing he's climbing and the Mr. Smith is climbing and he knows his Mustang, the American made Mustang can hold on. And just as that Mr. Smith falls off, <laughs> the Mustang's still holding on. And the Mustang swoops around behind the Mr. Smith and shoots down that Nazi bastard. And I'm like, that's fucking hilarious, dude. <laughs> and it's awesome. And he's just the mili- he's the dude. He's a military dude. And um it's a and it's a clothing company. So it's 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 uh it's a pretty cool follow if you just It's that pride, you know, building that that yeah at the, at, yeah i mean yeah at the very least it's a good follow on instagram and stuff and then at, oh, in time follow them today and then let it sink in six months make a purchase um and uh it's origin is is one of those things that yeah i think it's going to stick with us for sure i and it's like anything we talk about we we talk about like the the entry cost like you look at apsy farms and say oh man like 
$6 a pound for ground beef. Like, I can get it for four at the grocery store. But it's like, what are you paying for when you invest into that in, into that better product? What are you actually paying for? And it's, it's pretty clear. You're investing into a local company who treats, in this case, animals right. And um, you got to just think about that before you just, uh, you know, buy a product. I'm not saying you have to go out and buy origin stuff, but they're like the clearest example of bringing back American manufacturing, especially in the textile industry, and they're rebuilding American supply chain, which in over the last 40 years has done nothing but degrade. And that's something that we as a country have to take a look at when we look at like long-term security, because unless we're going to like go to Mars and find aliens and be fighting aliens, we're, we have to be aware of ourselves as a country and be able to make our own yeah. shit again. Yeah. <laughs> well, Elon was going to know if we're going to go to Mars or not at this point. He, he's going to be the dude. I think. Yeah. Um, making more stuff in America. I think that's the root of the episode. Return it back because I mean, it really is. It's yeah. going to make us more independent. If we made more things in America, we wouldn't have run into the supply chain issues that we did. We're used cars. And you're going to support your neighbor. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Chips Act that just got passed, we're going to be making car chips in America now, um, which... Oh, nice. Yeah, so I didn't know about the that. The whole cool. inflation reduction thing, uh, I don't know exactly all what's in it, but I know the Chips Act is included where we're making these car chips in America now and producing higher quality and, and advancing the tech in them. So that's going to be really good for yeah. car manufacturing and reinvesting in, in us again, because that's really how we were built, the Industrial Revolution um and all that thing those things we can bring that type of culture back and we there's so much wealth in this country and you know it's hard to look at it's it's confusing maybe to look at that is do we do we truly have a lot of as much wealth as we we really do or are things exceedingly cheap to where we can just buy a lot of stuff um i don't know the answer to that but i do know that there's a lot of fucking money in this country and if we reinvest in ourselves that's going to come back to to us and not, it's like you said, money's going somewhere. So, um, yeah, whether it's Origin or you guys have other things that you are investing in, always look for sure. Made in USA and try to buy that yeah. more often than not. I mean, you can't avoid these products that are made elsewhere. You just can't. And that's okay. But more often than not, maybe just be aware of it and try to make a better decision. Yep. Bring an awareness to it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap us up here. I'm going to send us home. Um, like we talk about investing money and we invest our energy. We invest our health. I want to thank you guys for investing your ears and your brains into spending time with us here at the Weekly Warrior Podcast. We've been doing this for a while, and we appreciate all you guys. Share us with a friend. We're made in America. The Weekly Warrior Podcast, we're on the the journey to be the best versions of ourselves. And like I said, we really appreciate you all. So thank you for being here. If you're interested in an origin discount code or referral code, hit us up on Instagram. Um, I'd be happy to do that for you. I am an origin ambassador. The podcast is not affiliated with origin yet. Um, That'd be pretty awesome, but we'll see what happens. So anyway, thanks bones. I appreciate you letting me sort of rant about my passions. It was really fun. And we will see you guys next week when we discover our warriors within.